0: Story is funny and cute but often it's true sometimes we might even feel guilty for something that we didn't do we might carry this big burden on our backs that God wants to take off but we carry it around in this series, we've talked about God's amazing grace. We've talked about his seeking grace, his cleansing grace, his transforming grace. Last week, we talked about giving grace to others. But today, I want to talk just a little bit about the most difficult person to forgive. You know who it is? Yourself. I asked you a question. I thought about this the other day. How many commandments have you broke? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I started going, how many have done three, four, ten? You know, think about that for a moment. How many commandments have I broke? Why did God give us these rules? Why didn't he make it simple? You know, he could have made it simple. One, just give us one. But you know what it would be? Okay, here's the one rule. Let's go on hypothetically today. And if you want to take this challenge, I'll let you. One rule. If you can do this, you can be saved. It's all you got to do. Jump high enough, touch the moon. Jump high enough, touch the moon. We can't. It's impossible. We might look at somebody else that can jump six feet, and I can only jump six inches. And I'm, he's going to look at me and go, "I'm better than him. He can only go six inches. I can jump six feet." But it doesn't matter. We can neither, neither one get high enough to jump the moon, to jump and touch the moon. It doesn't matter if we made it simple. You see, there's a verse of scripture that I learned in church camp many years ago. Somebody see if you know what it is. Romans three twenty-three. What does it say? Say it. That's not it, but that's good. Sorry, you didn't pass today. Romans 3.23. That's okay, that was a good verse. Wasn't where I was going, but thank you. You get an A for a participation. What does it say, Romans three twenty. I heard somebody say it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It didn't say for a few, it didn't say for a handful, it said for all have sinned. What does that mean? That means that as a person, I have fallen, I have failed. It doesn't matter if you broke one commandment or all 10 or if you couldn't keep the whole book of Leviticus, which I can't do. It doesn't matter, we have all sinned. The problem is what happens in all of that. First of all, I want you to understand what Satan does. There's some unseen enemies within sin that haunt us a lot. The first one is guilt. Guilt causes us to resist the grace of God. And it strikes people of all ages. It doesn't matter. Those little boys were guilty, not of losing God, but of something else. And we're all guilty of falling short of God's glory. And so we carry these burdens on our backs. We carry these burdens through our life because we feel guilty. We're really good about beating ourselves up about things. We find all kinds of things to feel guilty about. We do as a culture, as a society, as a people. We're guilty about work. We're guilty about eating fatty acids. We're guilty because we didn't call our parents enough. We're guilty because we don't spend enough time with our kids. We're guilty because we didn't go help the neighbor help do his yard or whatever when he looked like he was tired and struggling. We feel guilty sometimes because we just feel guilty for feeling guilty. And why do we do this? We feel guilty oftentimes when it's about things we cannot control or something we didn't even do. That's a false guilt. So you need to let the false guilt go. You need to make sure if you're guilty, guilty is like going to court, going before the judge and the judge said, what you did was wrong, boom. I've got one speeding ticket in my life. I hadn't had one for a long time, and a state trooper pulled me over, and he said, man, you must have been in a hurry. I was. He said, I looked at your record, and you haven't got a single speeding ticket. I'm going to let you go. i will give you a warning. Two weeks later, he caught me again. <laughs> Same guy. Guess what he did? Gave me a ticket. Gave me a ticket. I was guilty. Guilty as charged. Here's your fine. Pay your fine. Okay? I was guilty. If you're guilty about something that you've done wrong, then you need to deal with that real guilt. You need to deal with that. You need to give that to God. Real guilt is the fact that we've truly done something wrong. And guilt in this situation is not really a terrible thing. Les Parrott writes, who is a Christian psychologist, true guilt keeps people in line by acting as an eternal alarm that warns us of danger. If you're feeling guilty about something you truly did wrong, then that is a warning sign for danger because you have to get rid of that guilt. Because if you don't, what comes right along beside guilt as this enemy is shame. Shame is one of those things that comes along behind you, behind the guilt part, and makes you feel unworthy. It's a spinoff of that gift guilt we we may feel guilty for what we have done but then when shame comes into it then it's like i'm not even worthy i'm i'm unuseful i'm a nobody i don't deserve anything and this shame takes over your life and then you're not very useful for god so that's what the enemy does. What we do is then we be, believe the lies oftentimes. Guilt and shame keeps us from allowing God to use us fully. God wants to restore you, wants to use you, and when that guilt comes in our life, it prevents him. When we start feeling shame about ourselves. Remember the story of Moses? Moses and the burning bush. It's a great story. We often talk about that in a lot of different ways. But I don't think we ever really, and I hadn't, until this sermon I started to write, looking into the emotional things that Moses was doing for 40 years. Jesus, Pete, what was going through his mind? For 40 years, this man felt guilt for his failure in Egypt. He felt God's calling the first time, he knew his God's people were going to be, needed to be freed. He felt God calling him to do something. So what did he do? Killed an Egyptian. Not sure if that strategy was going to work one at the time, but that's all he had at the time. He had to flee. He had to go to Midian. Now he's in dealing with sheep for 40 years. In all of this time, we don't really talk about the fact that he was probably feeling guilt and shame and we see this in the conversation. This is what we see. This is what goes on. Exodus chapter 3 verse 11, who am I? What are you calling me for? He recognized the call. Why are you calling me? I'm the worthless guy that failed 40 years ago. And then he starts the whole dialogue. And this is what we do. Well, what if they say this? What if they want to know what your name is? He's trying to find a reason why I'm not worthy to do this and I want to get out of this. What if they don't believe me, he says, in verse 4-1. What if they don't believe me in the book of Exodus? What if they don't believe me? What am I going to do? Then he goes into that... Well, I don't speak very well. Now, this is a guy that grew up in Egypt that was trained to be a Pharaoh. Got to understand that. He probably spoke with a commanding voice to a lot of men at some time in his life. And now, 40 years later, he's so guilty, I don't speak very well. What am I going to say? Finally, in verse 13, he said, Can you just send somebody else? That's what he says. Can you send somebody else? You know, he goes through all this stuff. Who am I to do this? You know, why why, why me? I mean, what am I going to say? What am I going to tell him your name is? And then it's like, just get someone else. I'm not worthy of this. I can't do this. What we need to do is right here. First of all, and this is what Moses had to realize, that he was human. Can you please, at times when you make a mistake, cut yourself a little bit of slack? I learned a long time ago when I did stuff and disappointed people, I stuck my arm out and said, touch it. And they would look at me like I was crazy. And I go, no, touch my arm. And they would touch it and I go, see, I'm human. I'm made out of skin. I'm not perfect. And I'm sorry. But sometimes we don't want to do that. We, we want to think we're perfect. We think we can handle everything. Go back to my original question. I asked you, how many commandments have you broken? They remind us of our imperfection. They remind us that we can't do that. You see, here's the thing about the Ten Commandments that we often forget. Had you been able to keep all Ten Commandments all the time, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. And it's not just like the rich young ruler, well, I've kept so many since I was a kid. No, you can't just keep so many. You have to keep them all and all the time. You can never break the rules ever. We're not perfect. We're human. Thus, we need grace. And we need to truly accept grace. We need to truly forgive ourselves Because God already has. Why do we want to carry the burden for so long? God has done this for us. He has taken it away. He's already forgiven us before we ever make and commit the wrong. God forgives us. Why can't we? Why are we so arrogant that we think our sin is so great that God's grace isn't good enough? Why is that? Why do we carry that burden? Here's what guilt will do you deal with it in one of four ways. Number one, you blame someone else. Number two, you just confess to everything. (laughs) Number three, you confess just to feel better. It's not real genuine. I just want to feel better so I'll just lift this confession up I'll get you know But the last one is to truly confess so your behavior will change because you truly are sorry The Psalms chapter 3 chapter 32 verse 3 through 5 I want to read because it helps us understand this The Psalmist was writing about this thing that we're talking about. He was talking about, he says, when I kept silent, listen to this, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, this is what it'll do to you. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was zapped as in the heat of summer. Then, here it is, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now notice he says the guilt of my sin. Oftentimes, that's what gets in the way because God's forgiven the sin and we're hanging on to the guilt. We need to let that go. We need to let that go. And if you think that you're not worthy, the Apostle Paul wrote this to Timothy in Timothy chapter 1. I thank Jesus Christ our Lord for our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy. Appointing to this service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, it has shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord has poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world Christ Jesus might display his intense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. We are shown mercy by God because, even like Paul, he says, I was the worst of sinners. I was the worst of sinners. And yet now God has forgiven him, he's accepted that grace and that forgiveness. Now, here's the other thing. We don't really deserve this wonderful grace, but God's extended it to us. He's extended it to us anyway. Another psalm in Psalms 103, the psalmist writes these words. If I can get there. Psalms chapter 103, we hear, we hear what the psalmist has to say. Sorry, this uh, stand and I don't get along well. This mic doesn't help either. So anyway, verse 12. As far as the east from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God takes our sins, our guilt, and our shame, and he scatters it as far as the east is to the west. As far as the east is to the west. So we need to allow God to do that. Grace means God uses nobodies. And God makes nobodies into somebodies. We need to understand that. He restored us. He restored Moses. He restored Moses. Moses led the, the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. He, he took them through the desert. He led them until his death. God restored Paul. We see what Paul said about himself, that he was the worst of sinners, that he was a persecutor. He was a violent man. He restored David. If you want to know about David's restoration, go to Psalms chapter 51. Last week, Dave talked about Samson. And even though he died with those who were his enemies, God restored Samson. God restored Peter. Remember Peter? Denying Jesus three times. Then the rooster crows. There's a passage in John that I really love because... I like to do this, Peter looks at him and says, I'm going fishing. <laughs> going fishing. Now, I really don't know what he meant by that, but I kind of think he meant, I'm going back to be a fisherman. I have messed up my life. I have denied my Lord after he told me would I would and I told him, no, I'll die for you. And then remember, he's fishing and he hadn't caught anything. And Jesus comes out on the shore and says, hey, throw your nets on the other side. And even though they had been fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing, guess what? He said, because it's you, Lord, I'll do it. And he caught 153 fish. I've had some good fishing days, folks, but never that good. And then he brings the fish in. Jesus fixes some food, and he talks to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, well, yes, Lord, I love you. And then he said again, Peter, but do you love me? Yes, Lord, I I, I love you. And he was hurting at this point, but he said, but Peter, do you really love me? Do you really, really love me? He said, yes, I do. He said, then feed my sheep. Jesus understood Peter needs to be restored. And Peter needs to fully accept Jesus' forgiveness no matter how many times he needs it. So God can use him for his kingdom. The main thing today, receiving God's grace, means we must forgive ourselves. Jesus already has. Why haven't we? Chuck Swindoll wrote this about Moses In his book, Amazing Grace, when he was talking about accepting grace, he said, when it comes to accepting grace, the first thing we need to remember is this. We resist grace when our guilt and shame have not been adequately dealt with. We need to deal with that. God wants to remove the guilt. He wants to remove the shame. He wants to restore us so he can fully use us to complete the work that he set out before us. Now, I ask you about Romans 3.23. And many of you knew it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What about 324? How many know what that verse says? You see, I remember doing the other one in church camp and in Sunday school and all that. So that verse you can remember and it'll remind you that we're all sinners. But I want you to take this next verse and I want you to just engrave it on your heart. Verse 24 says this, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. That's the verse we need to hang on to. That's the one we need to etch in our heart. Story of a minister who had a failure and left the ministry, and he and his wife struggled. And after a couple of years, he was invited to speak at a Christian university through the week of evangelism. He was invited to speak. And so, as the time approached, and he and his wife were p- preaching together, they were talking about a theme of faith like a child, and they were going through the whole thing, he felt led to share his testimony. He met with people who he confided in and said, "I don't know why God has taken me here to share all this." It's painful enough. But to do it before a whole group of people, college professors and students and stuff that I don't even know, except for maybe one or two, to share this story. And so he and his wife prayed about it, felt led to do it. And so then on that Friday, they share. Share the story. What they went through, the guilt, the shame, read from David's Psalm 51, his repentance to God. And on that Friday after he shared, they were having a communion service and he was sitting in the front pew and he was praying and grateful for what God had done. And all of a sudden, an arm comes around this man. And this young college student says, I need you to forgive me. This young man had worked with him at, at different times and he knew what had gone on and he said, I did not come all week. I could not believe our university was bringing you here to preach after I knew what had gone on. But what I didn't know was what God was doing in your life and I did not like you and I could not believe that you were going to be here and God, I said, I don't even know why I came today but now I do. He was carrying the guilt of hate and everything that he felt about this person for so long. And he was in Bible college, a student that was going to be a preacher. And he knew, I cannot be used if God don't restore me. So just because you can jump five feet to the moon and somebody else can only jump six inches, it's the same. We need God's grace. We need to accept his forgiveness. We need to be able to be used by God in any way. God wants to use us. So if you have guilt for your failures, it's okay. Just get rid of them today. Lay them at the foot of the cross Go back to that passage in in Romans 3.24 And all are justified freely by his grace Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus it's the band to come back on up And I ask you to go back to that first question How many? Because it doesn't matter One, two or ten folks We all need the grace of Jesus. Lay the guilt at his feet. Accept the forgiveness that God has given us because he's already forgiven us. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your loving grace. For every person here, for those people who are online, for anybody that hears your voice today and are feeling the heaviness of the guilt and the shame that they're not worthy. Well, guess what? None of us are, but you loved us anyway. Jesus came because of that. So I pray that you just move on their hearts. Let them accept this loving grace that Christ has given us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. stand with us as we continue our worship. When night is falling, when fear is coming, still you're calling me.